This is another message from Glory City Church. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Thank you, God. He's so awesome. He's so awesome. It's fun. It's fun. That's why I like coming here. Because we just, we like having fun and we love the presence of God. We love just getting into the presence of God. And, and there's such a love for souls here too. People just, it's just God. It's just God stuff, you know. And, and that's what I like when I have a, uh, interactions with people. I don't just want to read a text or, or their, their, their blog every week. I, I want to read, I want to interact with them. I want to know them. I want to meet them. The same thing with God. We want to we wanna know him intimately know him, want to know his ways, not just what he does, but we want to be intimately acquainted with who he is. I don't always know why he does things, but it's always motivated in love. And I trust him every time, every single time. Pastor Gareth said this to me, if we can't always see his hand, we can always trust his heart. Isn't that awesome? Hmm. There you go, I'm done. No. Probably could be. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, more or less just talk, not, not too much of a, 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 of a preach, but, but just, just share what I felt like the realms of authority uh, are. And, and where, where things fit and, and from what I've, I've learned, just from, from reading the word and, and being alive and, and just learning. So, you know, bear with me. And, uh, and if, if you really find like it's good, you're, you're more than welcome to give an amen. And, and it, if not, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but look, yeah, it's just something that I, I really feel is important. And I kind of felt to share a little bit on what I feel, uh, how, how it all sort of fits together. Because God loves it. He really loves authority. He loves it. And, and I find the more that I... Uh, go in God and, and, and get older, the love for authority grows more in, in myself as well. The love for serving and honoring and respecting and, uh, and, and really just honoring every part of, of the nature of authority. And it all starts with, with God. So I want to talk the first level of authority. It starts with God. And we're going to go to Isaiah 45. 18. It's also going to be a little bit wordy. So we're going to be jumping around and reading a lot of little bits here and there that I think are good. It's good for us. So uh, we're going to go Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. 
God is the first, greatest, highest level of authority that there ever is, ever was, ever will be. He is the supreme ruler, reigner, Lord. Whether you believe in him or not, one day you're going to find out that he is. And what he says goes. And, and, And there is no other authority that will ever be higher than that realm. Supreme authority. First highest level of authority that exists within this which we are in. Spirit realm, physical realm, everything. And within God, there is an authority structure. And some people say, oh, well, God is God and, and it's all, there's nothing. And, and it get, but there, there is within that realm a structure. And there is authority within that. How do I know? Well, we're going to take a little look at some of the things. So Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So we know that Jesus is a high authority. But where did it come from? Who gave it? He said it was given. He said authority was given. So if authority is given, then whoever gave it is a higher authority. Because you can't give somebody authority if you don't have the authority to give. So Jesus said, authority has been given. Consequently, he gave it to us. He passed that on, that that he gave us authority. But it, it was given to him, all authority in heaven and earth was given. So it came from the Father. As, as an authority structure. It also says, John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave that. So we begin to understand, looking at certain scriptures, that there's, a, there's an authority there. Even the term that they wanted us to know them by when Jesus came started saying, Father, Son, Father, Son. We look at the terminology, we can gain a, an indication that there is something that he wanted us to know where Jesus came to represent the Father, but he also called him Father, and he was called the Son. So we understand, okay, there's some level there of, of an authority structure. Father, Son. Does it mean that the son is of less value? No, not at all. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that. But there is an authority structure. If we look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.8, it talks about, He who rejects this rejects God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So again, he gave the Holy Spirit. Even, even the, the dialogue was always there. See, when Jesus, he, he, he thought about what, what he had to do on the cross, and it was so heavy, it was so weighty, it was so daunting. He could dialogue with God because they are a loving, uh, 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 loving God. He's a loving God. They're both loving. They're all one. They agree. They talk. But, but he said, not my will, your will. As in he wanted to surrender or submit himself to a higher authority. Even then, knowing his place and position as a son, he could have called 10,000 angels at any point and, done, and stopped it. He still knew he had that authority as a son. I could still do that. But he wanted to submit. He, he has authority. He's, he's got authority. He's been given authority. But he still wanted to submit to another authority. So you've got that Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are all God. They are all God. And they are all the highest authority. Underneath that is his word. The Word of God. 
the word of God is his word. So God, as the highest authority, releases a word that is as good as if he was to appear in front of you and say it himself. Because it's his word. Right? We know it says in um, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 that it talks... Actually, let's go there. 2 2 Timothy 3.16. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Tim 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All of it is the inspiration of God. It's God's word to us, to man. And it's the ultimate truth. It's the ultimate truth. You're never going to find a truth that's out there that will disprove or correct or or be a conflicting thing and still be true. If it conflicts with this, then I know which one's truth. Right? Now, there may be a truth, hear me out, that is there that isn't necessarily written plainly in Scripture that's still true. There may be something that's out there. It's not going to conflict with the Word of God. It's not going to be opposite, right? But there may be something that you'll hear that, oh, wow, that's really good. That's true. It may not be listed out and detailed. It's still true. But you can't bind anybody to that. You can't hold anybody to that, right? Especially within the body of Christ. If you think, oh, I think this is a really good thing, but I can't necessarily say this is something you need to do because it's something that I found is true in my journey or something that even that maybe God has spoken to me or, 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 or something that I'm understanding if it's not in here. So, so what happens? So th- th- that's the realm, right? But it, it's the ultimate truth. Nothing's going to conflict with it. It's not going to. And God, God will often, every, every time God speaks to you as well, you, or I always ask, God, show me. Show me where, where this is. Show me where that is. Show me where this is. And there are so many layers of Scripture. He could show me in, in verses something that I've read a thousand times before. Maybe how many have had this experience? And all of a sudden you see like another layer or two where God goes, there it is. It was there. It's truth. I confirmed it. So he always likes to confirm it in his word. When God ever speaks, he doesn't speak to you and it's just some sort of abstract thing. He'll show you where it is. He'll back it up. He'll confirm it. That's what he does. He's God. And this is the ultimate truth, the ultimate, ultimate truth. And so if something's in here and you're saying that you've submitted or surrendered your life to God, then this is to instruct, correct, to teach. It's all for righteousness. It's all for us. Thank you, God. Yum, yum, yum. Eat it up. It's awesome, right? So we want to get, get into that. Now, what is it? What is it? What happens when, when, when Scripture is kind of silent or unclear? On an issue. People say, oh, that's not true. The scripture is never silent. It's never unclear. It's, it's, it's always so, so clear. And that's why we've got so many different splits in churches because it's always just so crystal clear. Uh, we have so many different understandings and interpretations on the scripture. So what, what do we do then? God, what do we do if we feel like we're, we're not 
we're not too sure on what happens or where it goes. Well, I'm going to show you in Scripture another level that Scripture establishes as an authority for us to, to understand what, what happens in that, that situation. So if we can go to... Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 30, 21. You don't need to go there. It says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it goes on to talk about that they looked at different gods and they knew it was unclean. They destroyed them. The blessing of God began to come upon the people of Israel. The word that comes and speaks to us is our conscience. It's our conscience. And I believe that God's established our conscience. He's given us our conscience as an authority that we need to, to really listen to. So we're going to go to Romans. You can turn there with me. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or excusing them. So this is talking about Gentiles who didn't actually know or understand the law, who their conscience actually bringing them to do the deeds that are within the law, but it was something that was written within, that they had something that was given within. What was it? It was their conscience. It was their conscience. And their conscience was bearing witness to this that was on their heart, the law that was written on their heart, and, uh, and between themselves and their thoughts. There was something between them and their thoughts. Something between them and their thoughts. You ever get a thought and you go, sorry, but I shouldn't, that's not right. I shouldn't be thinking that thought. There's something between you and your thought. And that must be so quick. There's something that's just there, that's just there, that's been given. It's your conscience. It's been given. It's been given by God. I want to look at Romans, turn ahead a couple to chapter 14. I'm in Corinthians there. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Over doubtful things. So he's talking about people who are disputing over things that they're unclear about, that they're not too sure about. They're doubtful things. And he says, don't do that. Don't, don't begin to um, uh, uh, dispute or, or over, over doubtful things. He says, for one might believe that it's okay to eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him for what he eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be able to make a stand. For God is able to make him stand. For one person esteems a day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And later on, there's a verse, it says, uh, if you go to uh, verse 14, it talks about, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. 
So if I believe that something is unclean, if I believe that something's not right for me, I believe that. Let's take, uh, let's take having a glass of wine, for example. So some people will believe that, that having a glass of wine is, is not right. It's sin. And they can try and show you through Scripture how, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen, uh, seen or heard that type of uh, a doctrine where Jesus, you know, drank wine that was, was actually virtually non-alcoholic and they can show you through history and, and all these things. And, 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 and so they, they're passionate about that and they believe it. They're convicted that that is the, is the, the dead set wrong thing to do. Now, we know drunkenness is, is obviously not from God, but there are other Christians that believe that if I was to have a glass of wine, that it might be okay. That if I was to have a glass of wine, Jesus drank wine, this might be okay. So one person believes one thing and another person believes another thing. And we're not too sure sometimes. There may be, there may be some people who aren't too sure what to do. So what is your conscience then establishing? That if you believe that that's an unclean thing to do and you do it anyway? Your conscience kicks up about something whether you're watching a TV show, listening to a song, having a glass of wine, whatever it is, if your conscience flares up and you feel like, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be here. Nathaniel talked about it on Friday night. It was an awesome message. You need to listen to the live stream if you, you didn't make it. It was really a great message. But he talked about uh, a conversation that arose that his conscience went, whoop, this is not right for me to in- entertain, engage, enter in. I can't be here. And so he left. He left that conversation. So two people can have a glass of wine, be both Christians sitting next to each other. One's in sin, the other's not. Right? Now, the one that has the glass of wine doesn't go to the other one and say, you're, you're uh, doing the, you know, you're, 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 I'm judging you or whatever. Uh, what does it say? Not judge. The one that doesn't have the glass of wine shouldn't judge the person for drinking and having a glass of wine and say, you, you. But the one that, that, that does, the other person shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be annoyed at the other one for abstaining, right? And Nathaniel even gave an illustration of this in tongues, that some people think it's ceased. Some Christians think it's ceased. Other people think it hasn't because they're doing it. <laughs> How can it be ceased? Baraba karaba. Anyway, all good. Why do we split over that? Why can't we just go, okay, let's, this is what the Bible's trying to say. So it, it's an establishing a conscience, I believe, as an authority that we need to listen to. And all the way through scripture, let's go to, to Timothy chapter four. We'll go to, yeah, Timothy chapter four. Let's turn there. Hallelujah. This is okay. It's, uh, it's a little uncharted territory for me in terms of preaching material, but this is something that I've, I feel like I've understood a few things for a while and, and I just felt to share some of this stuff. So, um, Okay, so Timothy, uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord that you should abound. I'm in Thessalonians. It's good too. I should read that. Thank you, Father. Yeah, 1 Timothy. So the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their own consciences seared with a hot iron. So the conscience is something that we need to be careful of. Although it's been given as an authority, I believe, in Scripture, it's something that, we, that can be seared. But guess what? The blood of Jesus washes that right away, can cleanse you. It says it cleanses your conscience. And then we need to listen. Now, all the way through, let's go to Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. 
Timothy chapter 1 verse 19 says, Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. So it's telling us to have, if we, if we look in verse 5, it says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience. From sincere faith. If you look through scripture over and over and over again, it tells you to move with a good conscience. Think with a good conscience. Good conscience is a a commandment that we're to have to keep a good conscience in scripture. So if we're told that we need to have a good conscience and we actively go and do something that betrays that conscience, yeah? So if we're told you need to have a good conscience, Right? If we're told this is something that you need to have, it's a good conscience, and we choose to go against it, therefore we're going against the commandment. We're choosing to have our conscience seared. We're choosing to disobey what God has actually given and put on the inside of human Christian or otherwise. Everybody knows. Everyone knows. I know what I don't want people to do to me. I know I don't want anyone hitting me, stealing from me. doing the. I just know. I know that. You know, everyone's born with this conscience. You know what's right and wrong, and you can feel it when you've done the wrong thing. It's like little kids, and they, like, come out. Like, um, we, had, we had these chocolates that mum said, you don't eat these chocolates. They're for grandma. They're for her birthday or whatever. And, and anyway, in the morning, they were, I can vaguely remember it, but mum tells the story. And, uh, and she came in. She saw the chocolates were gone in the fridge. She walked into my, my brother's room, and she said, Chris, do you know where the chocolates are gone? And I, like, just looked freaked out with a mouth full and chocolate smeared all over my face. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Just freaked out. But I knew, you know, I'd done the wrong thing. And, and whenever mum and dad would come and say, Chris, in that kind of tone, I knew that I'd done the wrong thing. I just knew. I knew before they even came. I was expecting it, to be honest. And, and the kids, they, they always try. You know, I was a bit, I was, I was colourful. And uh, thank you, mum and dad, for everything that you did. <laughs> but... Uh, But we know. And there's not one man in it at this point, in this structure or these realms of authority. We have God, we have the word, we have our conscience. That we know, we know what we need to do. And so, uh, always let your conscience be your guide. (laughs) It's good. Okay. So I want to talk about a few things, but I'm going to preface with with uh, a couple of verses. So we're going to go First Peter. Thank you, Lord. First Peter, chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 18 to 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If you're, this is commendable. If because of your conscience towards God, one endures grief and suffering wrong, wrongfully, what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And another uh, Colossians, Colossians 3.22. Uh, so we'll go to Colossians 3.22. Starting around here. All right. 322 says, Colossians 
Every time I go to read it, I'm in something else. Bond servants, obey in all things to your masters according to the flesh, not only with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do it heartedly as to the Lord and not to men. So God is telling the servants and slaves. Now, thankfully, we live in a, a day and age where, uh, where slavery is illegal and, uh, and that we are able to enjoy this, this, this freedom that we have. And I'm very, very thankful every time I, uh, every time I pause and think about uh, what I've been able to enjoy just, just by living in this country. And um, I'm very, very grateful. But if I was under that setup of a slave... And I had an authority as a master. And if that was what happened, if we got taken over, people are often so worried, oh, what if, you know, these people come and take over and these people come and take over? It doesn't change a thing in my Christian walk. If I become a slave tomorrow, I'm still going to move in love, preach the gospel, love others. It doesn't change a, it doesn't change a thing. Oh, I took your freedom away. No, you didn't. I'm still free. My freedom's in here. I'm free as a bird. You understand? So, so God looks at things slightly differently to how humans look at things. And we tend to think, especially in the West, when we talk about things, because God does want you to be blessed. I really firmly believe that because you're his kids, right? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. But he, he's given it all, man. He gave it all to me on the cross. He died for me. He gave it all to me. And so I'm so blessed in that. And so my freedom then becomes a freedom on the inside. I'm free in here. And it doesn't, nothing that happens out there shifts what I need to do. I'm not going to get caught up. Even the Bible talks about not getting caught up with the things and issues and situations of the world. Because we walk by a different rule. We walk by a spiritual law. We walk by a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord. So, so the, this authority abusing me and I'm to love him and just do my level best. Crazy. Saul, when we look at Saul and David, the guy, Saul, King, King Saul, throwing spears at David. He's like dodging it, surviving, just holding on to his, his dear life. And then tomorrow he's back there playing a beautiful harp. What the heck? How can you even do it? If you did do it, you'd be like, well, I'm going to play you an annoying tune or something like that just over and over again. So you just, I don't know. That's humanistic thinking. But I'm sure he did it with all sincerity as unto the Lord. I'm sure he did, knowing the heart of David. As we hear from the scripture. That's just something I want to throw out there. Put that on the shelf. Governmental authority is a level of authority that God has set up and established within scripture. Right? He wants us within scripture uh, uh, to look at governmental authority. So let's go to Romans. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 13. So in every area, I'm just going to be darting around, going into it, having a look at it. How are we doing? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority from God. I'm going to run through this because I've just realized the time, so I'm just going to speed through if that's okay. You can look it up. Ask me any other scriptures. I may duck a few, um, but they're all going to be, they're all there, I promise. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And all authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. Oh, we're not in a day of judgment. We're in a day of grace. 
those who resist. So God set up an authority structure that he wants us to surrender to. He wants us to submit to. He wants us to, to, to lean into that, that, that authority structure. And, and that's good, right? We kind of get a sensing of what a good Christian life looks like. A friend of mine told me he's working and, uh, and at his job, it's a job that you, you wouldn't expect any praise from, right? He works in the deli. He just serves deli meat in the deli at a Coles. And he has probably over a hundred letters from customers saying how amazing this guy is. And some people have moved suburbs and drive past two or three coals to get to this coals so that they can go to this guy. And uh, I'm, I'm deadly serious. It's incredible. And he tells me these stories and he's like, I just don't do anything, man. I just, I just keep, you know, I'm loving people. And, you know, just he genuinely cares about people though. He genuinely wants to find out their day. He genuinely wants to, to care. And uh, mate, these people are t- looking at this as a f- probably three free therapy sessions. They're driving, so it's so cathartic. Oh, I'll get five deli meats, please. And <laughs> just give me everything. <laughs> You're such a darling. <laughs> no. But when he told me, I thought, mate, that's how Christians are supposed to be, man. Like, to be a blessing in every area. And Christians should be the most, like, just loving people to be a part of a society. People should say, we, we want Australia to be populated to the max with Christians because they're just, they pay their taxes. They love their, you know, they're just so serving. They're, they're inputting into the economy. They're building, you know, you know what I'm saying? And they're not resisting the, the police and duck diving as, as uh, you know, someone I know once was like, but the Lord shifted things in his heart, and it's awesome. It's another guy you don't need to know. We won't get into that. Um, but, uh, but to be loving and honoring. The other part of the Bible says that we so honor where honor's due, right? That we're to be such amazing good citizens. Oh, what about, now, if something's true, it's usually always true for the extremes too. So I always look at the extremes, and this is what challenged me and begin to shift things for me. What if I was a Christian citizen, German citizen, in 1939. Hitler. How do I reconcile those two? And often people know, uh, uh, I think his name's Boffenheimer, or, um, you know, for evil to prevail, all it takes is good men to do nothing. He coined that quote. He's a Christian man. He was doing some stuff and combating a lot of that kind of stuff. Now, this is interesting to me. What if I was there? How do I find it how can, I, how can I even be a part of, of that, right? Well, first of all, a lot of people didn't understand the, the depths of evil that was beginning to happen, right? But here's a guy that, that, that is just such an evil guy. Most of the population getting swept up in him. There we go. Uh, most of the population, well, right now, actually, they're in Nuremberg doing a 28,000 people crusade right in the city where Hitler had his, his political uh, meetings and gathered his meetings. Incredible. Nathaniel was telling me about some of the stuff today. What, you can watch it on live stream. Amazing. It's, it's history shaking for, for Europe. God TV. What if? Well, if there's an area that he has conflicted against the three levels of authority that we established at the start. If Hitler says for you to do something or your government begins to say for you to do something that is against what the Lord has said, against what the word of God says for you to do, or against your conscience, it's just pure against your conscience. And you just feel like you can't do it, then you can't do it. Right? You can't do it. If not, however, you need to find something in there, some level of respect, even if it's for the office. 
Even if I go, mate, I can't see much good in you, but you are in an office and position that is a realm or level of authority. And you know what? I'm going to honor even the office, even just the office. If you don't honor something if, or someone, you won't, you won't ever have, if you don't honor, let's say Julia Gillard when she was in power and a lot of Christians are like, oh, she believes this and that, and talking about, bad about her and, you know, I might have let a few things slip, forgive me, Lord. Um, but, but if you can't find it, you will, never have, you will never be lifted up into a position of influence where you can speak into her life. God will never use you for that. If you don't love her with all love, with all sincerity, no matter what her faults, if you don't love her and, and respect the office that she was in for that time, you will never be able to have influence and you'll never be able to speak into her life. We've got to find Kim Jong-un. I mean, these are difficult things. But as a Christian, I believe that if I was there, man, that's so difficult. But I believe that if I was, and they're locking Christians up in North Korea, working them to the death, working them to the bone. And, 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 and if I was there, I would want, I mean, this is hard. And I know it's easy, easier said than done in, in most cases. But from what I see here, from what I'm seeing here, from, from the word, I feel like it would be my, my job to love and respect and honor even if it's something that's going, as long as they're not telling me to do something that's against God or my conscience, then I would want to find it some way that I can just say, well, I'm just going to sow in love and honor in love and, and do in love and move in love and think in love and be a great, awesome citizen and be a, a, a productive member and a contributing member. And, and so that, that's, that's what I believe. So thank you, Holy Spirit. A level I want to talk about is uh, church authority. Church authority, an authority structure that God may have set up in the church. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Speed in through. So Hebrews 13 verse 7, it says, Remember those who rule over you and have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow and considering their outcome and conduct. So it's talking about people who speak the word to you, remember them and honor them. Bring honor. I don't know what this translation says here, NLT. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. So it's talking about there is a level or realm of authority that the teachers that you come to that are teaching the word of God, there's a realm of authority that God established. God set up the church. God set these aside in the church, first apostles, prophets. He designed church. He's designed it. It wasn't just happenstance of the way. I mean, some things that, that have evolved over time and we do things in different ways, but there's, there's a realm there. There's a level there. If we look in it, at verse 17 in the same chapter, it continues to say, Obey those and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. Now, that word submissive is such a, it's such a uh, word in our, in our society. It's like a, uh, a word because that, that, that comes from somewhere. When you have reactions to something people say, when you have reactions, it where does it come from? I remember listening to a guy, he's a Christian man now. He said what led him to the Lord was he was reading a book, just a secular book, and it began to talk about church and God. And he went, and he just slammed the book down. Just thought, Arr. and then because the reaction came so strong and so left field, he thought, he thought, where did that come from? And he began to question, where did that even come from? Why did I slam that book down? He was a very questioning guy and ended up leading him to the Lord. So if you're having reactions from certain things, where did that come from? It usually comes from abuse, the reaction, negative reaction. The church has, has been responsible for a lot of abuse in the past. right? Whether you say, oh, that wasn't me or not. It's, I mean, we're a body, we're together. 
the understand body of Christ, we're not perfect, but there's been responsible for a lot of abuse in the past. A lot of people have been abused, been shouted at or condemned or judged or, you know, t- you know turn and burn and all this kind of stuff. And they're thinking, I don't even know God. And you're telling me all this, you know, the stuff that I need to do without even understanding who first that God loves me. Anyway, so there's a lot of things. So then these reactions come, right? But God set up an authority structure within the church. And, uh, and I want to say the point for us, authority is so linked to responsibility that they're so linked. They're not identical. But if there's authority, there's responsibility. Yeah. Right? So Catherine being the head of our church, she's the senior authority in this church and in this network. And she also has the most responsibility. And in fact, the Bible says she'll be judged double. Right? If she does the right thing, she'll get double honor. If she starts telling the wrong thing, because God is very, very precious with his people. He cares so much for his people. And if you're found abusing, in fact, the only people that Jesus ever went off at were the religious people that were supposed to represent God, but did a disservice to. It became all about them. Leaders are servants. People are trying to serve. But to have things begin to work smoothly, there's a realm or levels of, of authority. So we had a situation a few weeks ago. It was, I, I just smiled about it, but um, it was some, a service that I was like kind of looking after. And there was just one thing that just kind of, um, just kind of needed to happen just to help things flow for the benefit of, of the church. And, and this one person was just like, no. You know, it was just like, oh, okay. I was like, Okay, um, if you just do that, just maybe this tiny thing, then that might just help for all of us not happen it, right? Like, uh. Well, there's a responsibility, right, that's been given to the leaders of a church to make sure that things run smoothly. There's been a responsibility, there's an authority that's been established. And we need to sort of understand that, recognize it, and just give honor to it. And whatever I can do... now. If there's an abuse, if I was in a church and they were abusing their authority, I'd just kind of go, okay, maybe this isn't the church for me. You know, they're not really understanding or or following. And I'm not talking about running because you get hurt and running from church to church, right? Find a church that you you feel like is family, sow in, connect to it, right? And at some point, there's going to come offense, right? How many people have been in a family and it's been perfect the whole time you've never had one disagreement, one argument, how many people? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't see it. We have conflict in our families. We have conflict in our families. It just happens. It's the nature of people, learning, growth. If there's conflict, I actually find conflict a somewhat healthy sign of growth. It's, it's when, you know, if you're in a relationship and all of a sudden there's nothing and there's no disagreement. I'm not saying you need conflict all the time, but like if they just stop caring about you altogether, you think, oh, I think this relationship is going somewhere south. Uh, but I, it, it's a sign that there's life and we, we, we learn and we grow and we work together and we, we get over things. So the same with the church. I don't want people running around just hopping churches. But if you find somewhere you feel like this is family, then you want to join like I did. And I said, I'm going to submit myself to this authority. I feel like uh, 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 the authority has been given by God. I can see Catherine as a lady who's anointed and appointed from God and, and set up and giving place to God. And then at that point, after about six months, I said, I'm joining. I'm all in. What can I do? Where can I help? I, I did everything I could. And, uh, and, and I wanted to, to surrender. Now, at some point, there's going to be some uncomfortabilities. But stick it out. Let me encourage you. Stick it out. And you'll find things will grow. And maybe you can contribute. Or maybe you can say, look, this isn't right. But maybe I can do something. Maybe I can help. Yeah? Which is what I did. I said, maybe I can help. And 
Wow. Thank you, Lord. How's everyone going? Everyone going good? Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and so, and so there's, there's that realm. And so, uh, you know, if this person was a, a person that regularly came at some point, I'd need to just have a chat and in love and just say, hey, you know, we, we just got certain things sometimes that we need. We don't really ask much for anything, but just every now and then, you know, we've got a few uh, leadership structures that, that, are, that are happening because responsibility is then given. See, if you just fly into a church and sit down, you have no responsibility for what happens in that church if you come and just sit down. You've got no responsibility for what happens with the people. No responsibility. There's no authority there. And you don't have any responsibility. So it's easy for you to come in and say, mate, if you drive into the car park and there's a little 14-year-old guy out there, fresh out of, fresh into high school, and, uh, and he tells you, come park here, we need to park over here. This is where you need to park. The size of your vehicle or whatever. You can go, mate, who are you, mate? I've been a Christian for longer than you've been alive, mate. You don't know where, you know. <laughs> Have you ever driven a car? Do you know what it's like? No. <laughs> I've had that when I used to be a car park. I just like pointed to, to where the guy had to park. And there was no particular reason why he parked somewhere else. He just chose to park somewhere else. And he gets out and he's like, no offense, mate, but no one tells me where to park. <laughs> I just smiled, man. I was just like, is that guy for real? Like, anyway, you, as the, the person parking car, do you have responsibility over that car park? If, if it's been delegated, see, the responsibility that's been delegated to those people that are out there on the car park, they have the responsibility. If I come out there and every car is a mess and double parked and so I'm not going to be annoyed at you guys. I'm going to go, car park guys, what happened? You've just parked everybody in. Now nobody can get out. They're the ones that have the responsibility to control that realm, that level of authority. They've been delegated it. So when they ask something of you, they've got the responsibility. You need to say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll park wherever it is that you, you would like. And, and now it's a loving place. So if you say, oh, listen, you know, my, someone, they're hurting and, you know, can we just get somewhere a little closer or can we drop? And then we'll work it out. It's all good. But we just understand what realms of authority have been delegated and where the responsibility lies. And so we want to respect that. If you're taking responsibility of it, that's cool. It's like me coming in and starting to tell somebody else how to, how to organize their kids. You know, I'm, I'm boarding at the moment with um, Pastor Tom and Catherine living with their family, they've got a guest bedroom. And, and, uh, and, and so if I came in there and just started telling all the kids, like, nah, you got this wrong. Let's just change the whole dynamics and set up of this family, will we? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shape it. Not my responsibility, not my authority, not my place. They're going to be there and they were fine before I got there. They're going to be fine after I go. It's not my place and it's not my responsibility and it's not been delegated. Now, if Catherine leaves and they go on a, a trip and say, oh, look, just make sure Joe's all good, pick him up from school and all that kind of stuff, there would be a level then of because the responsibility is given of authority for me to be, begin to say, okay, Joe, it's time to do homework or whatever. It's then been delegated and it's okay. Do you understand? The responsibility, they're linked. They're not exactly the same. Every now and then I see people come in and take responsibility when there's no authority given. And, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. 
right? So when, and, and, and it's okay, and we just find a balance, right? So every now and then, if, if I see people starting to, to just, you know, rock up at youth, for example, which is an area of my delegated authority as a youth pastor of the church, and, and they start rocking up and start telling people this and that and start controlling people, and so I'll very quickly say, hey, mate, it's all good. You can just let me do that. That's, that's fine. Thank you. But we don't do that. And, 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 and so that'll have to be done. And to the same degree, though, if I find somebody doing, taking responsibility without the title, and going and cleaning up and organizing and, and caring about people and loving people and doing the job of a youth leader without the title, they'll very quickly find themselves with a title and authority and responsibility. And in fact, that's how this church begins to operate. Tom and Catherine look at people who are not just going, give me authority, give me authority, give me authority. But if they find somebody who's doing the job, who's actually eldering without the, without the position, without the title, and they're taking responsibility and then doing it in love... That's how they're hired. They want to find people who are doing the job and then they want to empower them to do it further with love. That's how things kind of work. And, and so, uh, well, praise the Lord. We, uh, uh, oftentimes you also find, now let's get this, an apostle and a man who's anointed and appointed by God, he's been there for 20 years. He's done it, man. He's done churches everywhere, anointed, come power, God's fallen glory, gold dust backs him up and signs and wonders. And, uh, and he's, been, he's been given an a, 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 a invitation to come to a church. And the church has a nice little fellow just out of seminary. He's, he's been given a church. He's been appointed. Oh, thank you. And, and he's been there and he's been in the job for six months. And the apostle comes to the church and he comes and sits in the church and he thinks, mate, I, I know, and, and the little guy is just out of seminary. Oh, so good to have you come to our church. It's just, it's just so wonderful. We're all so excited. Um, yeah, we, we, kind of, uh, we kind of have a, a, about a 30-minute um, uh, message uh, session. Uh, we, we kind of speak for 30 minutes. So if you could do that and, and, and all good if you go sort of five minutes over. That's, yeah, that's no problem. And then the apostle, mate, I've been doing this for... 20 years, mate. I've been doing this since before you were born. And, uh, mate, I've, I've, got, I've been backed up by God here, mate. Signs and wonders and miracles. And God gave me a word, and this word takes 50 minutes. So God's told me. Who has the authority in that situation? Not the apostle. The pastor. Who has the responsibility for the congregation? The pastor has the responsibility the authority, he was there before he got here, he'll be there after he's gone. And so the big head honcho four-star general has to submit and surrender unto the local church authority. You understand? And if you have a word, you, 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 can, you, you better shorten it quick, mate. Otherwise, you're out of order. You're beginning to step into a realm that is not a godly realm. right? If, God to- if it really is a word from God... Don't you think, and you go, oh, God, this word takes 50 minutes. If it really is a word from God, don't you think that God is well able to have the, 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 the little pastor come up and say, you know what, go as long as you want. We want to change things. Don't you think God's well able to do that? Now, what about a prophet who joins a church, who comes to the church, and, and they're a prophet, and they've just come to this church, and boom, God drops a word on you. Holy moly, hallelujah. God has got a word for the church, and I need to deliver it because I feel the anointing when it came. woo Now, you want to run up, and you go, okay, let me just come up on stage. Maybe I'll just uh, grab one of these here while you guys are worshiping and deliver the word. 
who usually has a microphone, well, usually the pastor or the leaders of the church have a microphone. Are you going to go up and just grab it off them? Now, you would ask them, I have a word from God. Let's say they genuinely do have a word from God. Okay, genuine, genuine. It's God. God has literally spoken. And God speaks to everybody. God can speak to any one of you whenever you're in any church. And maybe God has given you a word and it is genuine. It's a genuine word. When you come up and you ask the pastor, you say, listen, I've got a word from God for the church, which you need to do because they're the authority. You ask the pastor, right? And they don't, if they, if they have no idea who you are, they've never seen you before, there's no established relationship, they don't know if they can necessarily trust you. So I'd be very surprised if they just hand you the mic and say, go for it. That really would be from God, I reckon. But, but they may say, what is the word? What do you have? What is it? Okay, tell me. And then they may say, that's amazing. Go for it. We want, that word. we want you to release the word. They may say, thank you. I'm going to release that word when I get up. I'm going to share that word because it's so good and it, it is from God. Or they may say, thank you very much. And it goes no further, right? What happens there? Now you go, God told me. This, that's, God told me. I've got to do it. If I don't do it, I'm disobedient because God gave me the word and he told me to, to release the word and now I'm being disobedient. No, 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 no. God never wants to usurp authority. He never wants to usurp authority. He never wants to. So, so what God's going to do is, is release you from the responsibility because you've now said to the, the, the pastor, you've delivered that word and now the responsibility has been given already to the pastor for that flock, for that church. And so they now have the responsibility on them. And if it really is from God and they don't release it, God will sort them out. I've heard of situations where God has come three different times from three different people giving the exact same word. And every single time the pastor shuts it down and says, the word, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That the responsibility will be on that pastor because God's trying to get something to him and, and it's not being given. And so the responsibility is then on their head. Do you understand? It's on them. And so you're released of it. The spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet anyway. So you can, you can hold it if you need to. You don't need to necessarily jump up. If Pastor Catherine says, okay, and oftentimes she'll, she'll now say, uh, the, the prophets in the house, there's several people that have been, been looked at as, as being trustworthy. And, and uh, it's a big responsibility, you know, to, 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 to be, have this. So she'll say, now the prophets come. And if you, you come, maybe you, you are one of those or maybe you're not and you, you feel like I'm going to come and, and grab the mic when she's asked for prophecy and you think I'm going to use this as a, a, a nice little five, ten minutes for me to just to, to begin to release a message. Not what you've been asked to do and you'll very quickly find you're losing favor and the next time you come up is just that option's not there anymore. Oh, what happened? I don't know. But we need to be, be, begin to honor and say, okay, here's the, here's the level. That's what she's asked of prophecy. And when you begin to honor and so honor, honor will be given. When your faith with little, more will be given. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to hand out, I've, I know I've gone way over time, and I've just cut this message in half, to be honest. But um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot more. But, um, but any, anyway, I think it's very important, something to, to have a look at. You know, to really begin to go, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting of me? What is it you're really wanting? And, and how can I really honor? God is all about honor. You know, the Bible talks about submit yourselves one to another to begin to honor. And actually, I want to say just two things for, for how to, um, as a body, and as a body that's surrendered and submitted to each other, um, I want to say a couple of quick things on how do we deal with uh, areas of, or issues, if we see issues in our, our brothers and sisters a sin, and we think, what do we do, right? Because it comes up. We're, we're together. We're family. It comes up, right? 
Well, if you, if you know the person and, and you've been able to speak into their life, then you may be able to, to have a chat and just mention it. Because we want to build a healthy church, and especially this season that we're going in with revival. Uh, I really feel like God wants us to, to understand how to, how to build healthy relationships with each other, healthy, healthy church. And so uh, what we, um, yeah, we can hand out the, the, the um, communion cups. Thank you. Um, so what happens is if, if, and it, uh, if I don't have a relationship with somebody, then I may want to find out who does. If somebody comes to me and says, you know, so-and-so, um, I've heard that, you know, they've got an, uh, an issue, they're, they're taking, you know, drugs on the weekend and they're saying all sorts of things and, you know, and it's causing a stir. If I just let that go and don't do anything about it, am I being a loving, responsible brother, a member of a family? If I just totally let it go, okay, they've got something that they're suffering with, issues, alcoholism or something like that. I don't just want to let it go. But if I don't know that person, and maybe I don't know it's true, so either I don't want to judge them, first of all, until we understand that that's actually something that's happening, right? Because when we start, it's when people start talking and they don't actually know the facts and it's secondhand stuff. And then that person gets a reputation in the church that wasn't earned because they're not even doing what you said that they were doing. Right? So... You now have to do something. I don't want to hear somebody come and say, say uh, and, and just hear a conversation about an issue of sin in somebody's life when they haven't attempted or care about even trying to help that person. I do not want to hear that at all. But if you come to me and you're genuine, you say, what can we do? This person's suffering with this or that, then that's awesome. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's, let's try and, first of all, find out if it's accurate. So I need to, when I hear about something, I need to actually go, okay, I have to do something. And so I might go and have a chat and just suss it out and talk to a person and say, hey, how you doing, man? Or, you know, how's, how's things going? How's things with this? Or I've heard this. Is that something that's, that's happening if I've got some relationship? Now, me as a leader, I could probably do that to a, a lot more people. But other than that, I may find out actually Nathaniel's got a better relationship. He's actually really close with that person. Nathaniel, have you heard about this? He might even say to me, which he might often do, I actually know that and, and we're talking about that and it's all good. And I'm like, perfect. There, there's, there's people that are getting restored. There is an issue, but they're getting restored. And I can say, it's all good. And sometimes things have come to me and, and, and issues with people's life. And I, I find out, actually, that's actually been restored. So I don't want to remember that anymore because it's actually all restored and that's done with. So to me, they are as pure, as pure, as pure. They're as white as snow and I'm not going to look at them through a lens of something that they had done six months ago when that's not an issue anymore. You understand? But if it is, and, and maybe I've got an opportunity, I need to speak to them. I can't just sit on that knowledge and do nothing. I can't just sit on that and not talk to a leader. I may talk to someone and they might say, say to me, uh, no, that's not the case. That is not the case. I'm going to believe them, and I'm going to say that's not the case. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to believe them, right? Because they're telling me that's not the case. Well, they may say to me, "Yes, that is an issue. How, you know, let's can we help out?" Yeah. And I want to restore them gently, and I want to restore them in love, and and do whatever I can. Or they may also say, oh, "Look, I'm talking to to Pastor Wayne about that, or I'm actually talking to you know, Pastor Joel about that, or or whatever." And then at least I know something's happening and is being dealt with. You understand? So that we can all begin to pull together, not in judgment, but in total love, in total love. And last thing, last point I'm going to make, and, and we're going to have some communion, is that the foundation of relationship, what's the foundation of relationship within the Godhead, say? Is it submission? Is submission the foundation? 
It's love. Love's always the foundation. It's any God-filled, Christ-filled, Christ-centered relationship. Love is always, always, always the foundation. Although submission may be a part of a structure, if you build a relationship upon submission, that thing's going to crash and burn. But if you build it on love, if you build it on the rock, you're modeling it off God. You're modeling your relationships off God, and it's going to succeed. It's going to do well. Hey, Amen. Hallelujah.